We're starting a series on prayer tonight. In my whole life, honestly, guys, I've struggled with prayer. Um, I don't know if you've struggled with prayer, but I definitely have. One of the things I've struggled with with it is consistency. I've struggled with praying often, like praying every day, like having a prayer routine. I've really had a hard time with that. A lot of times I've struggled with inadequacy with prayer, like feeling like my prayers weren't enough. I don't know if that's ever been you. Like, you know, you, you kind of pray and, and maybe you compare yourself to someone else and their prayers always sound more spiritual or more holy. Um, I've struggled with that. I've struggled with guilt, guilt of feeling like I haven't done like my Christian duty to pray. I don't know if you guys have ever felt like that, but I've definitely had times where I felt like, man, I should be praying more. And the fact that I'm not praying, it's just, it's stressing me out because Jesus died so that I could have a relationship with him and I'm not even taking advantage of that. I don't, I don't know if you guys are with me on this. Um, so I thought I'd do a series on something not where I feel like I'm an expert on, but I wanted to do a series on something I actually struggle with because I want to grow in this area. And I know that when I study the Bible about certain things, it helps me grow. And I'd like you guys to grow with me. So this isn't going to be a series of kind of, you know, me as your pastor saying, hey, I'm an expert on prayer. Let me tell you everything I know about prayer. Um, This is actually going to be really more of a series of me and you guys exploring what prayer is together and learning about prayer together. And I'm excited about that. And I, I hope that as I'm each week praying and trying to pray more and learning about prayer, that you'll come along with me on the journey. Um, The Lord gave me this simple idea, and that's just the book of Psalms, to study the book of Psalms. And uh, who here has read the book of Psalms? Anybody? Yeah? Or like who here has read some of the book of Psalms? Pretty much everybody, right? It's a great book. Um, The book of Psalms, or Psalms, the book of Psalms is a, it's a collection of Hebrew poetry, songs, and hymns. It's kind of like the prayer journal of the Hebrew people. When you look up the book of Psalms, it's like reading through the prayer diary of the Jewish people. And our understanding of prayer can be super underdeveloped. And what I mean by that is, um, some of you guys maybe have heard this joke, but, uh, um, Jason Duff would always talk about this at camps. He would talk about this angel called like Clarence the food angel. Have you guys heard this at all? Some of you guys might have been older and you heard this when Jason would teach at camps. Um, Jason would talk about Clarence the food angel. He'd be like, man, it's crazy because God has all of these angels that are just ready to do his bidding. Like angels that are just waiting like, man, I just want someone to pray so I can go heal somebody, so I can go touch somebody, so I can just bless somebody. Like, Lord, send us. We're your angels. We want to go help because the Bible talks about how God sent sends angels to actually minister to us. So you've got all these angels who are like, I just want to go slay some demons. I want to fight battles. I want to help somebody. And then all the angels are all stoked to go help, but no one's calling on them. And instead this like chubby little like angel waddles up and he's like, hey guys, I'm Clarence the food angel. They're like, oh, Clarence, what are you doing? And it's like, well, everyone's just praying, Lord, bless the food. That's all anyone ever prays for. So Clarence the food angel got the most work. Kind of a dumb joke, but you can blame Jason. I thought it was hilarious. You know, Through the book of Psalms, this is what I've been learning lately. Through the book of Psalms, if we study it, because it's a book of prayers, we can learn how to talk to God through this book. And we can learn how to pray through different things. So as we go through this series, we're going to be looking at how to pray through fear, how to pray through confusion and doubt, how to pray through trials. We're going to look at ways that we can pray, how to pray through thanksgiving when you want to bless the Lord and thank him. We're going to be looking at different ways we can pray. So we're going to start with the first psalm. And I'd like, um, I forgot to ask someone to do this, but would someone be willing to read the first psalm out loud? Anybody? It's really short. James? Yeah. Read aloud and proud. 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its seasons, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. It's good. Thanks, James. So each week I'm going to have a different student read a psalm. And as you're hearing them read, just kind of let the words soak over you because these words are just, I mean, it's so different from what we do on Sunday mornings when we read through, you know, the Gospel of John. We look at the story of Jesus. These are just these prayer poems, but they're so amazing and we can learn so much from them. So we're starting with the first psalm. James just read it. And psalms, the first psalm, Psalm 1, it's not really a prayer. It's more, it's more just a poem. And so why would we do Psalm 1? Well, the reason that we're doing Psalm 1 and the rest of the psalms that we're doing are going to be more prayers. It's actual prayers that we're going to be studying. The reason we're starting with Psalms 1 is because Psalm 1 covers some very important truths about the language of prayer. You know, before we talk about that, though, I want to talk about just kind of the elephant in the room. And that's the fact that, honestly, when it comes to prayer, I think we all want it to be easy. Like, I think we want prayer to just be something that we kind of just get up in the morning, we say a quick prayer for the day, and that's it. Um, That's just kind of how we're wired. Like, for instance, I um, have been trying to lose weight recently. Um, You know, I went to the doctor a couple years ago, and they told me at my current weight, you know, they're like, hey, you're kind of on the verge of becoming unhealthy, like if you get any heavier. So... You know, I've had this goal that I want to lose weight, but it's, it's, it's very difficult at my age. Um, and it's always been hard for me because I've had a terrible metabolism my entire life. And also, I love food. I just, I really love food. Food is amazing. And my wife makes great food, and there's great restaurants all around. So it's just, it's hard at times. And so when it comes to weight loss, I want it to be quick and easy. Like, for instance, I worked out this week, probably about six days in a row for about 45 to minutes to an hour, like five days straight, walking in the park, just going for it, just working really hard, you know, trying to watch what I'm eating. I'm eating, you know, little cups of granola and making fruit smoothies and eating apples and stuff. And, and so after five days, I get on the scale and I'm like, all right, 10 pounds, right? And I look at how much I lost and it's like, you lost half a pound. And I'm like, oh, no, that's so irritating. Um, I don't know, most of you guys probably don't struggle with that, but maybe you know what I'm talking about with other things. We, we have this childish impatience in us. Um, we don't want to submit to reality a lot of times. So we don't want to give in to the fact that life can be difficult and sometimes things don't happen as fast as we want it to be. We want to eat whatever we want. And sometimes we're surprised when our health fails, you know? Like when you eat two burritos at Chipotle instead of one, and then an hour later your stomach is murdering you. You don't want that to happen. We want to be able to get in shape naturally. Like we want like like uh, health. We want health to just fit in naturally to our calendar. We don't want to have to work for it. We want our friends to be good to us without us having to make the time to actually be good friends. And it's the same with prayer. It's kind of like we want fast food prayer. We want to just slip in that little, thank you, Lord, for the food. Thank you, God, for this day. And we want everything just to be okay. I mean, that's how I want it to be. I want things to be easy with prayer. My thinking a lot of times with prayer is God is loving. God is powerful. I need his help. So I ask him for it. And the rest is up to him. He just kind of deals with it. The problem is that sometimes God answers my prayers right away. But a lot of times he doesn't answer them right away. 
I don't know if you're there with me, but a lot of times I pray and it's like, God, I've been praying about this thing for like a year or two years or three years or four years and it hasn't happened yet. What's up with that God? Sometimes God doesn't answer your prayer right away and he doesn't even give you a reason why. And you're just left there having to wait. It can be so frustrating. So if you're like me, sometimes you give up. Sometimes when it comes to prayer, you've been praying for something and you feel like, man, I've been praying for this for like two weeks. Uh, I'm just going to give up. I mean, honestly, before I met Brooklyn, um, you know, I was like, man, like I'm 17 years old and I'm not married yet. So it's never going to happen. So I'm just going to give up. Before I met Brooklyn, I had pretty much thought I was going to live in a cave as an old man, single and die. Uh, But the Lord had different plans for me. Guys, if we just give up, we miss out on what God has for us. God is constantly calling us to pray. He's inviting us into relationship with him to pray. Let's look at verse one. Look at verse one, so good. Blessed is the man. The word blessed, it means happy. It means joyful. It's like you're blessed to the point where God's good grace in your life is just waiting around the corner. It's waiting to be scooped up in your hands. But there's some catches to this. It doesn't just say, hey, blessed is the man. He's talking about some conditions. He's talking about some things that make a person blessed. And and there's a couple of things he's telling us to avoid here. He says, one, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, the counsel of the ungodly, that's talking about hanging out with people who give you bad counsel or bad advice. People who advise you not to make steps towards Jesus, but to walk away from him. Have you guys ever... um, been like trying to text a guy or a girl and you've got like five of your friends crowded around the phone like trying to tell you what to text this guy yeah and they're just like oh send her that man send her that how many of you guys have ever been steered wrong by one of your friends anybody they told you to text something and it was just the worst thing it was like man now she she didn't hate me like she didn't like me but she definitely didn't hate me but now she hates me thanks a lot you know, I, I had a friend before cell phones were a thing, before we had to worry about that, I, I got some bad advice from a friend named Jeremy. I, I remember one time Jeremy, um, and this guy, you know, I'm a freshman. Jeremy's like a, a sophomore, so obviously he's so cool, you know? And I'm just like, man, this sophomore knows what he's talking about. I just remember Jeremy was kind of a ladies' man, or at least he thought he was. He was the kind of guy who just like bathed in Axe like 24-7, just bathed in it. And I remember Jeremy came up to me one time, and he's like, hey, man, you know what the ladies like? And then he licked his finger, and he, like, slicked back his eyebrows. And he's like, yeah, if you want the ladies to like you, <laughs> slick back your eyebrows, bro. And I was like, okay, man. And I tried it once, and I did not get any attention from girls. So maybe because I was, like, licking my eyebrows, like, in front of girls. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't do that. So walking not in the counsel of the ungodly, practically, here's what we're talking about, guys. We're talking about when your friends point you constantly away from the Lord. And it happens all the time. When your friends are telling you, this is what we should be doing. This is where we should be going. This is what we should be looking at. But it's taking you away from God's heart. It's taking you into wickedness. In the Hebrew, when it talks about the the counsel of the ungodly, there's a little note I found in my Hebrew translation Bible, which is saying that the wicked people enjoy persuading others to join them because it makes them feel better about their own sin. 
And I think that's so true. Have you ever had that happen before where someone was like, hey, come do this with me. And you both knew it was wrong. And that person really just wanted you to come along. So they felt a little bit better that they were doing something they know they weren't supposed to do. The scripture warns us that if we, if we follow that path, it won't make us happy. The second thing it says is stand in the path of sinners. Blesses the man who does not stand in the path of sinners. When you're standing in the path of people who are constantly missing the mark, you follow that bad advice, that sinful advice, and now your feet are firmly planted in sin. And then the third thing is, blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Uh, In the Hebrew, the word scornful, the scorner, it's uh, lutz. Everyone say lutz. 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 And basically, someone who is a scorner, someone who's a lutz in Hebrew, is someone who is unteachable, someone who's arrogant, prideful, someone who considers themselves better than others. This kind of person is constantly going to be sarcastic, cynical, and judging other people. Maybe you know someone like that. I definitely know that sometimes I can be a lutz. I can be somebody who's just so, I just don't want to believe in people. And I've looked, man, that guy's messed up so many times. I can't count on him to come through. Man, that person's such a sinner. Like, why would I expect them to do anything less than what they did? I feel like the Lord wants us to see the best in people, but oftentimes we can see the worst and we can sit back in judgment and sarcasm. But you know what? In the book of Proverbs, if you look at when it talks about a lutz, someone who's scornful, it's saying that's somebody who is an unhelpable fool because they're unteachable. Maybe you know someone like that or maybe you have been like that in your own life, unteachable. When someone comes to you and tries to correct you, when someone comes and says, hey, I love you, but there's this issue in your life that you need to deal with and you go, what are you talking about? That's not there. Like, I I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to block you on my phone. Like, I'm going to get you out of my life. Like, I just, you know, maybe you've dealt with that where you came to a friend and you tried to help them see through something and now they're totally dissing you and you're not getting invited to those parties Or, or maybe that's a reason why you don't want to challenge your friend who's walking away from the Lord because you're afraid of losing that relationship. Um, I remember uh, talking to Mariah, uh, one of our counselors, and she was talking about how in her life when she was struggling and backsliding as a high school kid, uh, my sister Amanda was like the only friend who was like, hey, I'm not afraid of losing our friendship. Like, I just want to tell you how it is. Like, you're totally in sin. I love you. Like, you need Jesus. And Mariah said that even though in the moment, like, she totally wasn't into hearing that, like, that was what eventually got through to her. And now she's a counselor in this group. And even before she was a counselor in this group, she's just been killing it for the Lord. Guys, it's important for us to go to our friends. But there's a progression here. And getting back to prayer There's a progression. You can see it talks about someone who, what, number one, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the path of sinners, and sits at the seat of the scornful. What's the common theme? Someone who's doing all three of those things, who are they talking to? They're talking to their sinful friends. First they start, because we're all walking in our life. Every single one of you, you're walking on a path that God has put you on. But what happens is God has called you to walk that path with other Christians, with people who can strengthen you, with people who point you to the Lord, people who don't just tell you what you want to hear, but people who speak the truth into your life, the minute you get off the path, not that you shouldn't hang out with sinners. The Bible calls us to be missionaries to sinners and love them. But when you start walking with sinners and saying, hey, 
I want to be like you. I, I'm interested in what you're doing. Before you know it, you've stopped walking with the Lord, and now you're standing in the path of sinners. And, and your Christian friends who are walking with Jesus, you're starting to see them off in the distance, but now you're like, I want to stay here. This, this sin is interesting. I like this sin. I'm going to stay here. And before you know it, you're sitting in the seat of the scornful, where maybe once your heart was soft, but now it's hardened. And now when you look at people who walk with Jesus, you say, man, they don't know what true pleasure is. I can tell you what it is. Come sin with me. But really, you're sitting in a place of death. So let's, let's move on to verse two. What does verse two say? What's, what's the solution? It says that his delight, the person who's blessed, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. Now, okay, law. Do people delight in law? I've never delighted in a law. I, I got a red light camera ticket once and I, I totally broke the law. I mean, I had justifications for it. You know, I was going slow and I didn't speed. I, I just slowed down. I didn't stop, but there was no one on the street. Uh, there was no other people. There was no other cars. Like I, I it was the law, and I broke it. I didn't go, oh, that's the law. I am delighted to hear this. I have never once delighted, really, in a law. And there's a lot of strange laws out there. Like, here's some laws from different countries. In, in California, here is a law. According to California law, if a frog dies during a frog jumping contest, it can't be eaten. It's law. Don't do it. In Florida, it is unlawful to toss dwarves. So don't do it. <laughs> in Indiana, liquor stores can't sell cooled water or soda, but they can sell lukewarm soda. In Minnesota, any game in which a participant attempts to capture a greased or oiled pig is illegal. As of 1973, it is illegal to carry away or collect seaweed at night in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. New Hampshire in the Shire. In Alabama, the state constitution makes it illegal for any idiots or insane people to vote. Bummer. And according to Alaskan law, according to Alaskan law, <laughs> you cannot give beer to a moose. It's Alaskan law. Okay, so in the Bible, when it talks about in this verse, in verse two, his delight is in the law of the Lord that's kind of hard for me to believe until you actually understand what the word law means. If you study the Hebrew, which I love to do, the word law is, it's Torah. And those of you guys who go to Bible class at your Christian schools, for those of you guys who go, you know that the Torah was the first five books from, that Moses wrote in the beginning of the Old Testament. So at the time the book of Psalms was written, when it talks about the law of God, the Torah of God, it's not saying that he who delights in the rules of God and meditates on them day and night is blessed. It's talking about, well, what was the Torah? It was the story. It was the writing. It was the Bible of that time. It wasn't just the rules. Yes, the rules were a part of it. It was, it was the story. Because think about it. For us as Christians, we're, we're reading the Bible because the whole Bible, all of Scripture, Jesus says, all of Scripture is for us. It's for God's people. So if we're reading this verse and it says, he who delights in the law of the Lord, and then you do your study and go, oh, he who delights in the Torah, does that mean that for you as a Christian, you'll only be blessed if you just delight yourself in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament? No, God has always had a heart for his law or his word or his logos, which is what God means to say. This is what I mean by that. 
Remember in the book of John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Who was that word? Starts with a J. Jesus. Jesus. So he who delights in the word of God and who is the word of God? Jesus. He who delights in Jesus will be blessed. So no matter what you're reading, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, or anything after, as long as you understand what God has always been trying to say to you, which is his love for you through Jesus, you will be so blessed in reading any part of the Bible. Right now for my devotions, I'm reading Leviticus. It is so gnarly. It is just like, the craziest rules. And if I didn't have the context of Jesus, if I didn't understand like the Jesus was coming to save us so that we didn't have to create these crazy rules about, like there's one uh, rule that I was reading the other day where it's like, if you have a scab, you can't come to church. If you have any scab anywhere on your body, yeah, you gotta leave right now. You can't come. If you uh, get a bloody nose, and there's blood on you. Blood is considered impure. So you have to go down to the river and wash like 10 times. It's all of these crazy rules. And reading those in my devotions, if I didn't know the story of the Bible, if I didn't know that it all leads to Jesus, I'd be bummed. But now as I'm reading through Leviticus, because I've never actually read through the whole Bible before, like in one devotional sitting. I've always jumped around from book to book. I've never started from Genesis and made it to Revelation. So I'm making myself do it. But I almost gave up in Leviticus. But now I'm reading through it, and, and I'm listening to it, and I'm reading it. And, and the other day I was reading it, and, and I was praying through it. And I was like, God, what do you want to show me? And I got to this part about how the priests in Leviticus would choose a goat. And they would place their hand on the goat, and they would pray, and they'd say, Lord, forgive Israel for their sins. And then they'd send the goat out into the wilderness. And it was like the goat was the scapegoat. It would carry the sins away from the people and I was reading it, and Jesus was speaking to me. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm the scapegoat. This was a picture of me, because I'm the lamb. I'm the goat who had the sins of the world placed on him, the scapegoat. It's just amazing. When you read the Bible and you look for Jesus, it's so much more fun. So God's word is what we need to delight in. And here's the prayer part. It says, in his law, he meditates day and night. Now, when you think of the word meditate, what do you think? Anybody? Anyone want to make the noise you think of? Um, yeah, there's this very like Eastern Indian idea of meditation. Um, but we can understand the word meditate in a couple different ways. One, I don't know if you guys have heard this uh, illustration before, but it's the one of the cow. The cow has four stomachs. Have you guys heard this before? Yeah, you guys, have, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the cow has four stomachs. So it eats the grass and it meditates on the grass. Here's how it does it. It chews up the grass and it swallows it and it goes into stomach number one. And then it barfs up the grass and it chews on it some more. Cause it's like, oh yeah, I want to remember that grass. I'll just bring it back up. And then it chews on it and it brings it down to stomach two and so on and so forth. But I think there's more to it. I think for us, I'm waiting for the helicopter to pass because I have ADD. I can't handle it. I think in the illustration of the cow, what he's doing is he's remembering. He's bringing it back up. Guys, why do we do devotions? Anybody? Why do, why do you read the Bible? Personal time with God. Anybody else? Like, why, why do you read your Bible? Anybody? To get closer to God, yeah? Avery? 
Because the Bible says read your Bible. Um, the book Bible is not actually in the Bible. Oh my But it does say his word. Exactly. Yes, good. The word of God. So when we meditate on the word of God, what we're doing is we're reflecting on God's story. One of the worst things that I do is when my wife tells me a story and I don't pay attention. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but when someone tells you a story and you're like, yeah, uh-huh, 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 and they're like, what am I talking about? And you're like, uh, the, the thing with the person at the lake with the dude and the houseboat. I don't know. And they're like, what are you talking about? I wasn't talking about any of that stuff. You're just making things up now. I have a problem sometimes where when someone's talking to me, I start thinking about something else and I totally space out. I think we can do this to God. I think God is constantly trying to talk to us, but are we listening? Are we listening to his story? This can be especially hard for those of you guys who go to a Christian school because you go to Bible class, which treats the Bible as academic. And so just like history class, you start memorizing all these dates and all of these people and all these places and all these facts. And then the test comes and immediately that stuff leaves your memory and you don't have it anymore. We need to read the Bible as the story of God. It says delight in the law of the Lord? Do we thrill on the word of God? Do we thrill on it like we're watching an amazing movie? It talks about focusing day and night. That sounds hard, right? Like just meditating on the word of God day and night. Like, oh, what happened to Scotty? Oh yeah, he uh, locked himself in his room and he's been reading the Bible like every hour for life. Like, no, like we, we don't do that. We don't do that. Guys, listen, listen, listen. Because I know there's some of you guys here who you struggle with praying. You struggle with spending time with the Lord. You struggle with reading your Bible. Guys, when you read verses like this where it says pray without ceasing and where it says read his word and meditate on it day and night, guys, you don't have to choose between living your life and reading the Bible. It's not about choosing between reading the Bible and praying and living your life. It's about reading the Bible and praying as you live your life. It's about incorporating time with God into your daily routine. It's about not getting down. Like, let's say you guys start a plan. You're like, I want to read my Bible every day. I'm going to wake up at this time and I'm going to read it. And then you miss it. And the enemy says, you're pathetic. You're a waste. Just, you can't even follow the Lord. You can't even wake up at that time of the day to read your Bible. It's about not giving up. It's about saying, you know what? If I didn't read in the morning, I'm going to read at lunch. Or I'm going to pray later this evening. But it's about getting time in with the Lord. That word meditate, do you guys know what it means in Hebrew? It's very interesting. It's the sound, the word meditate in Hebrew that's used there, it's the sound of bears growling or doves cooing. Or like bears growling, give me some bear growls. Wow, you guys suck at bear growling. Really good at doves, really bad at bears. So it's interesting, it's interesting. It's like, it's this meditation. It's this, okay, why do bears growl? Because did you guys know that bears don't growl that much? Like you guys know in a movie where you hear a bear growl and it's like this crazy growl. Did you guys know that most times you hear a bear making a crazy growling noise? I actually watched this in a sound effects documentary recently. That sound we hear a lot of times in movies of bears, it's actually a combination. It's a little bit of bear, but it's been synthesized with a little bit of dog and then some lion. So it's like, that's not even a real bear noise. So when bears growl, it's just, it's just this kind of murmuring or the doves cooing. What are they doing? They're communicating with one another. When bears growl at one another, it's not because they're angry. That's how they talk to one another. When doves coo at one another, they're communicating with one another. 
Guys, when the Lord asks you to meditate on his word, he's not just saying to think about it really hard. He's inviting you to pray. When God tells you to meditate on his word, he's inviting you to speak with him because his word is the word he has for you. No matter where you're reading in the Bible, God wrote a love letter to you and he wants to speak it. Guys, I know I'm sick and I'm not super energetic tonight, but please just stay with me. I wanna contrast something with you guys. I wanna go to a story in 1 Kings. It's an Old Testament story. Who here knows the prophet Elijah? Yeah, one of my favorite Bible characters. So the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18 He's living under the time of the rule of King Ahab. And King Ahab and his wife Jezebel have just been sinning all over the place, sacrificing to idols, doing crazy sexual sacrifices in the temple, sacrificing children, just terrible things. And so God has punished Israel with three years of no rain. And now you have crops dying, famine across the land, animals are dying because they don't have food. So everyone's suffering because the king and his wife are setting such a bad example. And Elijah... The prophet has God come to him and speaks a word. And Elijah is spoken to and God says, Elijah, I'm going to make rain come on the land again. But before I do, I want you to pray. Before I do, I want you to pray. Now why? Didn't God just spell out his plan? He said, Elijah, I'm going to make rain fall on the land. So why pray? That kind of doesn't make sense. If God's like, hey, this is what I'm gonna do. Why do you have to talk to God about it? It's, it's very interesting. Look at 1 Kings uh, chapter 18. You can just listen with me or you can turn there if you want, but I'm in verse 42 through 46. Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bowed deeply in prayer, his face between his knees. Then he said to his young servant, on your feet now, look towards the sea. And he went and looked and reported back and the servant said, I don't see anything, sir. They said, keep looking, seven times if necessary. And sure enough, the seventh time he said, oh yes, a cloud, but very small, no bigger than someone's hand rising out of the sea, sir. Quickly then, on your way, tell King Ahab, saddle up and get down from the mountain before the rain stops you. And then things happened very quick. The sky grew black with wind-driven clouds and then huge cloudbursts of rain with Ahab hightailing it in his chariot for Jezreel. And God strengthened Elijah mightily, putting on his robe and tying it around his waist. Elijah ran in front of Ahab's chariot until they reached Jezreel. Now, if you missed it, I'll recap the story for you. This is a great example of how prayer works. God is gonna come through. He says it. He says, hey, this is what I'm gonna do. Elijah, this is what I'm going to do. And he insists on involving Elijah in in prayer. He doesn't just say, Elijah, this is what I'm gonna do, so stand back. He says, Elijah, this is what I'm going to do, but I want you to pray. It's so interesting. You know, St. Augustine said this, without God, we cannot. Without us, he will not. And what that doesn't mean is that we make things happen. It doesn't mean that God's like, oh, I can't, I can't without you. No, listen, without us, we can't do anything. The the, the thing is, though, that without us, God chooses not to do things sometimes. Why? Is he just playing some weird game with us? No, he loves us, and we're his children, and he's inviting us to be a part of what he's doing. It's not like he needs us, but he wants us. He wants us to experience. I mean, do you guys realize that we could literally just sit here and if God wanted to do things this way, he could just like 
possess every single person he wanted to be saved with the Holy Spirit. And they would just be like, oh, I'm saved now. And he could just like build churches himself. He could feed the homeless himself. He could clothe people himself. He could just completely save the world himself. But he doesn't. Why? Because somewhere along this story, he decided that he wanted to partner with mankind. And I used to miss this all the time growing up. I used to think like it was just kind of a coincidence. But if you go back to Genesis 1, what does God do? Genesis 1, 2, 3. He makes Adam and Eve. I know I talk about this all the time, but if you go back to the first couple pages of the Bible, he makes Adam and Eve, and he doesn't say, all right, guys, I got this. Chill. No, he says, hey, rule the world. Name the animals. Take care of the garden. The plan was always for God to work together with mankind. So even though sin messed up God's original plan, God's ultimate plan is restoration, and he asks us to be involved. So listen. In our universe, prayer plays a crucial role. And I've totally forgotten this, honestly, in my life. Our choices matter. What what happens? How does Elijah pray? When God says, Elijah, I want you to be involved. Does Elijah go, all right, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the food. I just, I pray that I have a safe travel. Give me traveling mercies. Lord, I just pray for a hedge of protection. And like, God... I mean, Lord, if you want to make it rain, then go for it. Just make it happen, Lord. And, you know, only if you want to. If you don't want to. Have you ever prayed like that? I've prayed like that. Like someone asked me to pray. I'm like, Lord, if it's in your will, you know, make it happen. But I don't know if it is. If it's not, whatever you want to do, you know, just, just kind of these weak prayers. No, what Elijah does is he wants to see results. Elijah bows and he prays and he sends his servant to see if there's a change. I love the posture of his heart. He's like, I'm gonna get on my knees and I'm gonna pray. His servant comes back. No, sir, there's no change. Now at that point, I'd probably give up. I'd be like, well, it's not God's will for it to rain. But God just said he wanted it to rain. Yeah, but I prayed and it didn't happen. So it's not God's will. Have you, has God ever told you something was gonna happen? He gave you a promise. He spoke to you about something and you prayed and it didn't happen. You're just like, well, I guess it's never gonna happen. I prayed once and it didn't happen. I've done that before. But God calls us to keep praying. And so Elijah keeps going. He prays again, sends his servant, nothing. Elijah keeps praying. He doesn't let it discourage him. He does this six times. I know after six times, six days in a row of just praying and nothing's happening, just pouring out my heart, I'd be down at Starbucks just drowning my sorrows in a s'mores frappuccino. Those things are so good. Have you guys had those? They're they're so good. Marshmallows? Marshmallow. He does it six times and doesn't give up. He's on the mountain and he's praying his guts out. It's like eight rounds in the ring. It's a boxing match with God. He's wrestling with God. And finally, after eight times, the servant says, look, Elijah, there's a tiny cloud the size of your fist. Just a tiny little puff of cloud. And Elijah goes, that's enough. The storm is on its way. Now I want to contrast that. That's how Elijah prays. You know, I was reading this story about um, this lady named Anne Lamott. She's this author. And her father had died from skin cancer, and, and, and she was getting afraid of getting it. And, and so she went to the doctor, and, and she was waiting for six weeks uh, for her biopsy results to come through. So she comes home from the dermatologist, and she, she knows she needs to pray. So here's how she prays. She writes on a scrap of paper, Lord, I'm anxious. Help me remember you are with me. I'm going to take my sticky fingers off the steering wheel until I hear from you. Then she folds up the note and she puts it into her drawer like it's God's mailbox. What method of prayer 
seems like more attractive to us, Elijah's or, or Anne Lamott's? Honestly, to me, Anne Lamott's, because there's not a lot of commitment. It's just set it and forget it. Lord, here's what I want to happen. Make it happen. That's how I pray a lot of times. I, I, give, I just do one prayer. Like, Lord, seriously, there's been things I prayed for before, and then I forget about it for like two years. I'm not constantly praying for it. But here's the question I want to ask you. If you were dying from a disease, who would you want praying for you? Elijah or Anne Lamott? Would you want Elijah or Anne Lamott? Would you want the guy who's going to be just praying and praying on his knees? Or would you want the, guy, the, the person who's just slipping the note in the drawer and saying, God, you do whatever you want? I would want Elijah. I would want somebody who is just praying, not giving up, continuing to fight for it. But it's tough. It's tough to pray. It's very tough to pray sometimes. I think I shared this a little bit the other week, so I'm sorry if this is a repeat, um, but it's just something that's really big on my heart lately. So, um, you know, when I was 18, I was at Bible college, um, and I was in our fellowship hall, and I was talking to Trevor O'Keefe's brother, Casey. I was talking to him, and the Lord just put Ireland in my heart. And, and I was like, what does that mean? And I started praying about it a little bit, and the Lord's like, one day you're going to go to Ireland and be a missionary. And so I started to pray about it. I, I did a lot. I, I started praying, you know, every week I was praying for it. And then my church ended up doing a missions trip to Ireland, and Amanda went on it. Um, and I thought me and Brooklyn were going to go on it because me and Brooklyn were dating at the time and we were talking about Ireland and we were just like, wow, maybe that's in our future. Maybe we're going to be missionaries. That sounds so cool. When's that going to happen? So when our church did a mission trip to Ireland, we thought, sweet, we're going to go. This is going to be amazing. And we saved up a little bit, but the Lord didn't open up the door. We couldn't get time off work and we couldn't raise the money. So I was kind of like, that's weird, but I'm still supposed to go. And so I just, I, I kept praying, but you know what, honestly, after years and years and years, because it's been almost about 10 years now, it reached a point where I stopped praying about it. It was in the back of my mind, I was doing the Anne Lamott thing. I was just kind of putting it in the drawer and saying, all right, God, I'm done praying about this. I'm just gonna trust that one day you'll make it happen. And that's kind of where I was. And the Lord spoke to me just in a crazy way recently. Um, so as I was prepping for this message series, I uh, realized that I need to pray more. Like the Lord just spoke to me and said, Aaron, just like back when these guys were in junior high and the Lord spoke to you about evangelism and you started doing evangelism first before the kids did because you had to set the example with prayer, you got to do the same thing. So I talked to the Lord and I'm like, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, I want you to read your Bible for 10 minutes a day and pray for 10 minutes a day. And I read my Bible all the time. Uh, I pray you know, when I'm driving, I talk to the Lord. I, I, you know, it's very sporadic, but I don't have consistency with it. I'm not disciplined in it. So the Lord told me, Aaron, I know even though you pray and read your Bible, I want you to be disciplined. I want you to set a time where you read your Bible for 10 minutes and you pray for 10 minutes. I was like, okay, Lord, I'll do that. So I've been doing that lately. So the other day, um, I, it was probably my third day of doing this. And um, I put in my audio Bible and I'm going through Leviticus, and uh, it's just gnarly guy with a British accent. And then on the third day, the Lord came down from the mountain and smote the Hebrew children with the sword of fire. I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I'm, I'm listening to that, and it's crazy. Um, so I listen to that for 10 minutes, and then I start praying, and I'm like, man, Lord, what was that? Like, this is crazy. And I'm, I'm walking, and I'm trying to get exercise. I'm just killing so many birds with one stone. I'm praying. I'm listening to my, my Bible. I'm walking. And all of a sudden, these homeless guys call out to me, and they're like, hey, man, you got, you got some money? 
And honestly, I just wanted to walk past them. I wanted to pretend I didn't see them. I wanted to ignore them because I was like, I'm burning calories right now. I got my time with Jesus right now. Like, I don't want to talk to these homeless guys. And the Lord was like, no, this is what I want you to do. So I was like, oh, okay. So I went and I bought him a couple sandwiches from Jack in the Box from like the 99 cent menu. And I'm, I'm feeding these guys and I'm talking to them. And the Lord just like, there's this black guy wearing a green Guinness beer t-shirt. And the Lord just has me like zero in on him. Like this guy, you need to talk to us. So I start talking to this guy and he's got this Irish accent. I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like, dude, where are you from? And he goes, oh, I'm from Cork, Ireland, lad. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, that's where I want to go. Like that's the town. It's actually this specific town. He's like, yeah, I've been there for 20 years. And then I ended up in Vista. What the heck? And I'm like, yeah, dude, what the heck? How do you go from Cork, Ireland? Like, I understand from going from Vista to Cork, Ireland, but how do you, anyway, so I'm like, that was weird. And, and you know what? He was a Christian. And even though he was kind of drunk and dropping F-bombs and stuff, like the Holy Spirit was with him. And he gets up and he puts his hand on me and he starts praying for me. And it was just so weird because I'm used to getting prayed for from pastors and not like half drunk homeless people. But I felt the spirit of the Lord. Like I was like, even though this guy's struggling and he's going through some stuff, like God's trying to speak to me through this man. So I prayed for him, but then he prayed for me. And it was just this crazy thing where he was just like, Lord, show Aaron what you need to show him. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. And it's really weird. Like, I don't know if you've had those moments where you feel like the Holy Spirit speaking to you. But I was like, man, God's speaking to me. So then I, I start praying about it some more. And I'm like, okay, God, like, that was weird. Like, do you want me to pray about Ireland again? It's been a couple years since I've really taken it seriously. So then the next day, I go over to 7-Eleven and I see another homeless guy. He was actually with the first, home, the first homeless guy the day before. It was the other homeless guy. And I didn't get his name. And I'm talking to him, and I go in, and I buy him an energy bar. He wanted, or no, he wanted a burrito. He's like, hey, man, you want to get me one of those bomb burritos? And I'm like, I don't know what a bomb burrito is. He's like, oh, no, no, man, it's the bomb burrito. You got to get the bomb burrito. I'm like, okay. And I went in, I asked the lady, you know, the, the Indian lady who works at 7-Eleven. She's super nice. She, like, knows all you guys. No? Well, she's, you know, anyway. Um, I need to repent from that, apparently. Okay, the lady I can't describe in any way, because apparently it's racist. The to just... of the 7-Eleven. Well, sh- there's a lot of people there, though, that are... Okay, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> so anyway, the owner, whose race will remain nameless, um, she was in there, and um, she's like, I don't know what the heck a bomb burrito is. And I was like, okay, I'll just get a burrito. So I got the guy a burrito, and I'm like, hey, dude, what's your name? And he goes, oh, man, man, my name's Irish. I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, man, check out my tattoo. And, he's got, and he totally doesn't have an Irish accent, but he's got this big tattoo on his hand that's just says Irish. And I'm like, what the heck? So then I'm like, okay, Lord, I mean, I still don't know if you want me to pray about this. Uh, maybe like a sign, you know, and it's the next day. And I'm like, okay, Lord, if you really want me to pray about Ireland again, have someone today talk to me about Ireland. And, um, you know, or have me hear it somewhere, you know. And I even said, Lord, even if it pops up on TV somewhere. So I go through the day, no one talks about Ireland. I'm like, okay, it was just random coincidence that these two Irish homeless guys hang out together. And I happen to run into them. And then me and Brooklyn decided to watch TV. And we're like, okay, let's watch TV. And, you know, we put on a show and we're just watching it. And it was so random. Halfway through the show, someone on the show started talking about Ireland. And we're like, what the heck? So I tell Brooklyn. And, and you know, throughout all this whole thing, this is what the Lord was saying to me. He wasn't saying, Aaron, you need to drop everything and move right now. That's not what he was saying. He wasn't saying, Aaron, you need to abandon the youth group and fly away on a plane tomorrow. That's not what he was saying. What the Lord was speaking to me is he's like, hey, man, this is something I put on your heart a long time ago, and you kind of gave up on it. Like, this is a dream. This is a vision. And I didn't want you just to put that in the drawer and leave it be. I wanted you to pray. 
I didn't want you to give up on this. I wanted you to give it your heart and your mind. You know, in the Bible, in Psalm 1, it talks about if we delight ourselves in God's word, if we delight ourselves in who he is, we're gonna be blessed. And I realized that, you know, I've enjoyed studying the Bible to teach you guys, and I've even enjoyed studying the Bible on my own, but when it comes to prayer, I hadn't been delighting myself in it. Just spending time with God to talk about it, just asking him, God, how do you wanna direct me? How do you lead me? And in verse three, it talks about when we do that, when we, when we delight ourselves in God, it says, we'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and will bring forth fruit in its season. And that's what I was realizing. I was like, man, like the fruit God wants to do in me, whether it's going to Ireland one day or whether I'm supposed to do here, sometimes I want everything instant. You know, I want to lose that weight right away. I want uh, everything in my life to be perfect right away. I don't want any troubles. I just want everything great right away. And God says, I want you to not worry about everything being so instant. I want you to dig your roots deep down in me. And I just realized that, you know, as your pastor, even though I'm definitely in the Bible every week, even though, I mean, honestly, I'm more passionate about Jesus than I've ever been in my entire life right now. Um, it's, I just feel like every day I'm waking up, I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? What's your vision? What's your mission? What's your purpose for me? But I realized in my own life, man, in my prayer life, I haven't been digging my roots deep down in the Lord. I haven't been just allowing myself to be planted by a river of his living water. Even though I had the word, I wasn't praying. And so that's where I'm at. I'm just being open and honest with you guys. The, honestly, um, the past three or four days that I've been doing this, just praying, and um, just every day taking 10 minutes to pray, it's been game-changing. Not every day has been like, here's some amazing sign from the Lord, but just I felt so much more rooted than I normally am. I feel so much more a connection to God's life source. And it's like, it's amazing because when I get up in the morning or when I go on my break at work and I take that 10, 20 minute walk with the Lord um, and I just pray and talk to him and listen to his word, you know, it does something in my heart where it gets me excited about later on in the day talking to him. Whether I'm driving, whether I'm at home and I'm just looking at my wife and I'm like, oh, she's so beautiful. Instead of just going, oh, she's so beautiful, I go, man, thank you, Lord, that she's so beautiful. I'm gonna go outside and like trip out on how beautiful she is. Thank you for how, how amazing you are and giving me this amazing wife, Lord. I'll come out here in the backyard and I'll totally just trip out on how great the Lord is. It's, it's amazing to be planted and rooted. And I've, I'm bummed that I've been missing out on this lately. And so I just wanna encourage you guys, pray, pray. The language of prayer is simply just talking to God. It's not a Christian to-do list. It's not something that you have to check off to be a good person. That's what I heard my whole life. Read my Bible and pray every single day. And I thought that's what it meant to be a good Christian. And I lived in constant guilt because I knew I wasn't doing that. Guys, you're saved no matter what. As long as you put your faith in Jesus, you're saved. So don't worry about that, but don't miss out. Don't miss out. And you don't have to do what I do. Like you don't have to do the 10, 20 minute prayer walk like I do. Find your own spiritual rhythm. If you want to do what I do, that's awesome because it, it, it works pretty good for me. But whatever works for you, <clears throat> all I'm saying is find time to pray. Can we just do that? Can I challenge us as a group? Let's take this series. We're going to be in this Psalm series for two months. We're just going to be slowly just going through, picking apart these Psalms and finding out how we can talk to God. Let's be planted and rooted because as much as, as, as a group, as much as I want us to be like the group that goes out and does evangelism all the time or the group that serves people or the group that's just on fire in all these ways and does these big concerts, like I have these big dreams for this group. 
If we don't start with being rooted in Christ, digging our roots deep down and drawing from the river of his life, we're not gonna go anywhere. So I say, let's put a pause on all that stuff that we wanna do, all the big dreams that we have, and let's take these next two months on Wednesday nights (coughs) and let's just be rooted in Christ. Let's learn how to talk to him. We're gonna be talking about this a lot. It's hard to talk to the Lord sometimes. We've got two months to work through this. So, are you guys with me? Are you, are you into this? I'm into it. Let's, let's, let's pray right now. And then as we go into small groups, and small group leaders, I don't have questions for you, so just however the Spirit leads you, you can go for it. But let's just talk about prayer. Let's talk about our prayer lives. Let's talk about how we're doing in our prayer lives. And let's, let's encourage each other. This is what I'd like all the small group leaders to do. With your group, find a way that you can pastor and shepherd your group through this time of these next two months through prayer. And then let's keep each other accountable, whether it's through an Instagram group or a text group or whatever. Let's keep each other accountable about prayer. Let's ask people, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Let's let's get prayer requests from one another, but let's just dedicate ourselves to just finding that time to talk to the Lord. Because some of you guys are praying, but some of you guys aren't praying at all. And that's okay. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. We, we, We all struggle in our Christian walk. If you're here tonight, you don't pray at all. Just be honest with your group about that. Just say, hey, you know what? Unless it's like before a meal, I don't pray. And then let's challenge one another to do it. And let's talk about how to do it. So let's pray right now. Let's give this time to the Lord.